Well, hey, Propel Church, Pastor Nick here. I am so excited to be with you today for Propel Church Online. Wherever you're watching from, we want to say welcome. Whether you are in a house party, maybe you're watching online at a later date, or you're in another place inside uh, the house of Propel, we're excited that you're here, excited for what God is doing in the midst of our church in this season. We've been praying and believing God for some really big things, and we're continuing to pray as we get ready to regather. We're praying for the city to approve plans for the building, and there's so many exciting things coming up. But we kicked off a series last week called Made for Monday. We talked about how roughly 85% of people hate their job, that they live for the weekends. But we believe that God has created us as followers of Jesus to wake up on Monday excited because we are not saved by works, but we are saved to work to do the good things that God prepared for us long ago. And so last week we talked about excellence and how as followers of Jesus, we need to be people who bring God into our workplaces to carry beacons of hope into the world that we've been entrusted to work in and lead in. And by doing so, by working as for the Lord, people are going to see our good deeds and glorify God in heaven. We talked about excellence this week. What I want to do is talk about attitude. Now, here's what I know. As you're watching this message, you're going to have the temptation at some point to tune this message out. When we talk about attitude, oftentimes it's one of those things that we don't like to think of through the lens of ourselves, but rather we think about the person we know in our life that really needs to see or hear this message. So do me a favor. Still share the message with that person, but for the next 30 minutes, I want you to focus on you. Don't focus on anybody else or what anybody else has going on. I really want to talk to you for a moment specifically about your attitude. Because as we talk about attitude, as we work for God and realize we're made for Monday, I think what we're going to see is that God really wants you and I to have control of the attitude that we have. This season for me in the area of work has been one of those that's been uh, somewhat frustrating and stressful. A few weeks ago, I had been navigating through the regathering process, the building out of this facility, this remodel, and things weren't going the way I wanted them to with the HVAC and the electrical and, and all of that. And what I noticed is my attitude started trending towards negativity. I started to blame the situations for the way I was responding. My fuse with my wife got shorter. My grace for people got smaller. I actually started becoming cynical in some areas. And as I was doing that, the Lord kind of took me through a process that I want to share with you today. Because while it's easy to blame our situation for the way we're responding, At the end of the day, as followers of Jesus, we're responsible for our attitude. We can't control the things that happen to us, but we do get to choose how we respond to every single situation. And so if you're taking notes today as we talk about attitude, the first thing that I want you to write down is this. Your attitude reveals the real you. Your attitude, my attitude, really reveals who we actually are. It's easy for us to pretend that we are who we want to be. 
So when life is going well, when things are going well, on the outside, we look like we've got it all together and things are beautiful. But when the real you is exposed is when life happens, when things don't go our way, when things get out of our control, when we encounter a job situation or something in the workplace that we didn't really want, our attitude reveals who we actually are. And you may be sitting back and thinking, but pastor, you don't know my situation. You don't know what that person did. No, remember, we're focusing on you for a few minutes. Your attitude reveals who you really are. How important is our attitude? Our attitude is more important than facts. It's more important than circumstances. Our attitude is more important than what others may say. Our attitude is more important than our past, our education, and even our money. The reason why our attitude is more important than anything else is because of what Proverbs 23, 7 teaches us, that as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Our attitude reveals who we actually are because our attitude comes from the core of our being. Our attitudes represent our disposition, our outlook, and even our character. And so I've got this jar of water here, and and inside this jar of water, I would say this this jar uh, represents you. What's inside the jar is water. That represents the stuff in your heart. Well, as things get shaken, I've got this lid, and, and I've put the lid on tight, and I can shake it. Nothing happens. But here's the problem. When life happens, it's almost like the jar gets a little bit loose. The lid gets a little bit loose, and when I start shaking the jar, water ends up going everywhere. Now, why did water go everywhere? Well, it's, it's not. You, we could blame the fact that the lid was loose, and we could blame the fact that the jar didn't really do a great job of holding it all together. But the truth is, the reason why water went everywhere is because water was what was inside the jar. And when we oftentimes, in our hardships and our circumstances and situations, what we try and do is we try and blame what's going on around us. We try and blame a loose lid. We try and blame a coworker, our boss, life circumstances. If you're a, a super spiritual Christian, a, a tough season on these things. But the fault belongs in the contents of the jar. This is what Matthew chapter 15, verse 17 says. It says, anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. But the words that you speak come from the heart. That is what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what actually defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. Jesus is talking to these people and they're having an argument about food and hand washing and, and all of this stuff. And Jesus says, hey, you really want to know what corrupts your life? It's what's in your heart. It's what you and I allow in because out of the overflow of our heart is where our mouth speaks. It's where our attitude comes from. The reason why a lot of us feel like things are spilling out all over the place is because we're blaming a loose lid for the contents that rest inside 
the jar. And as followers of Jesus, we need to know first and foremost that our attitude really reveals what's actually going on inside of us. And the best news for you and I who are listening to this message today is that in Christ, we do have the ability to overcome the bad attitude. We have the ability to overcome those negative thoughts. And if our heart is impure and unclean, thankfully, Jesus Christ can step into our life and he can cleanse what is dirty. That's what God does. He's able to do those things. But before Jesus can step in and cleanse us, first we have to acknowledge the fact that we're dirty. First, we have to acknowledge the fact that we have sin, that things are filthy in our lives. Our attitudes ultimately become our actions or reactions. For me, I find this truth incredibly uh, sobering and revealing because I like to say what many others do, that when something doesn't go right, well, I didn't mean it that way or I don't know where those things came from came from the inside of our heart. So, so the next time you and I go through something difficult and our attitude trends towards negativity or it trends towards anger or gossip or slander or any of those sinful things that, that the Scripture talked about, right? It, Jesus is really clear, too, that if you have hate in your heart for somebody else, you've already committed murder. We can, we can have a long conversation about that, but some of you hate your coworkers. You hate people who vote differently than you. You hate so many things right now. First John says that if someone claims to love God but hates his brother or sister in Christ, that person is a liar. You and I have to get to the heart issues that we have and deal with them so that we can grow in our relationship with God and live and experience the abundant life that Jesus has promised for us. Whenever we have nasty or negative thoughts, critical attitude, that really reveals who I really am on the inside. And so, uh, a few other things about relationships that I want us to, or I'm sorry, about um, our attitude that I want us to cover before I give you some really, really practical things. Uh, number two is this. Your attitude determines the success and failure of every relationship in your life. So pause for a moment. I want you to really carefully write that down. Your attitude determines the success and failure of every relationship you have in your life. When you think back to friendships that failed, oftentimes it was due to bad attitudes. When you think about the work environments that you didn't thrive in, that you were ultimately let go of, or you just had to move on because you never meshed with anybody, oftentimes bad attitudes are the culprit. And the reason why bad attitudes are the culprit is because it's really hard to trust people who consistently carry a bad attitude because they end up doing things and saying things that they never thought they would do. And when you and I look at building relationships with people, Trust is not just something that's necessary, but it's a primary component for how we build relationships with people. We have to be able to trust others. The success of your relationship is going to be based on your attitude. What a difference a good attitude makes. When you have a good attitude in your relationships, here's what it does. It extends grace to people who make mistakes. 
If you're watching this video right now, the chances are you're going to make a mistake within the next two to three days. But oftentimes what we want is we want to extend grace. We want people to extend grace to us based on our intentions, but we, want, we don't extend that same grace to other people in that way. We see what they've done and we treat them harshly or we come down on them. But hey, you and I as followers of Jesus need to get our attitudes in check because the success of our relationships are based on our attitudes. For some of us, the reason why our marriages are failing is because our attitudes are horrible. We're entering into spaces with our spouse and and rather than loving and cherishing them as God intended us to, We're nitpicking and finding ways to just consistently fight and argue. And that can't be the case for followers of Jesus. We need to have attitudes. And I know what you may be thinking. You may be saying, well, if their attitude was better, my attitude would be better. And I'm just going to tell you again, we're focusing on you today, right? You are not responsible for the actions of other people. But one day you and I will stand before God and give an account for how we navigated life according to the things that happened to us. We'll give an account for how we chose to respond, how we chose to react, and how we navigated life. I'm not responsible for the way people treat me. I'm not responsible for the things that happen to me, but I am 100% responsible for how I choose to respond. I am responsible for my attitude. And the success of our relationships are built on it. One of the things that... um, I've taught our leaders in the past is, is anytime that there's a gap in understanding, you have the ability to extend trust or suspicion. And which one you choose to do determines the health of your relationship with other people. See, a lot of times when somebody does something that we don't understand, the first thing we do is trend towards negativity. Our attitude changes towards that person because we don't understand their motives. We just assume their motives. But in Christ, we don't have an assumer. We don't have an accuser. We have an advocate. We have a person who fights for us. And I think we have to be people as followers of Jesus who stop accusing people consistently, but advocate for the relationships that God has entrusted us with. Here's the third thing. Your attitude is always your choice. Your attitude is always your choice. Now, if you're watching this video right now, you may be thinking to yourself, but it doesn't feel like it's my choice. I don't know what situation you're currently going through. I don't know what hardship you're in. But oftentimes our attitude doesn't feel like something we get to choose. It feels like something that was just thrown on us. You ever been in a funk? Like, and you just can't get out? Like, it feels like you are stuck in a rut and there's no way to escape. Yeah, I've been there. But what Scripture teaches us is that when we begin to follow Christ... He is the one who guides and directs our life. And we're no longer uh, a slave to sin. We're no longer a slave to our flesh. And there's nothing that binds us to those feelings, those emotions, or those thoughts anymore. That it may feel like we don't have a choice when it comes to our attitude. But the truth of God's word proclaims something different. And the reason why we don't follow our feelings. People say all the time that 
you know, they give you the advice to follow your heart, right? Your marriage is tough. Well, just follow your heart. Don't. Dumb advice. Literally worst advice someone could ever give you. You know what Scripture says about your heart? Jeremiah says that it is the most deceitful and wicked thing above all else. Jesus said really clear that it's out of the abundance of the heart that your mouth speaks. And so if you and I look and assess what we say and, and we don't feel like that is really glorifying and honor God, you think that's a trustworthy, reliable source to make decisions for your life? No. Some of y'all got to quit taking advice from yourself because you're the worst person. You, you got yourself into this mess and you think you're going to get yourself out? Quit taking advice from you. That's why godly wisdom is so important. That's why you need biblical community. You got yourself into a mess. Your attitude bound you up in, in different relationships is causing a lot of chaos. And now you're going to think your way out of this mess on your own? No. No, you need biblical community. You need other followers of Jesus in your life who can encourage you and help you along the journey. You don't have to do what your flesh tells you. You don't have to be led by your feelings. And the reason why you can't trust your feelings is because your feelings are based on circumstances and situations, not on reality. And the way we know this is because the moment our situation changes, the moment our feelings change. For some of us, you've had a bad attitude, and one conversation shifts you from a, good, from a bad attitude to a good attitude, and you are being led by your feelings. It's not trustworthy. If, if there's something in my life that can be changed just by a single conversation, it's probably not something that I want to be the decision maker and the guiding thing that I let rule my life. So what do we do? Well, Romans chapter 8, verse 12 gives you and I insight. It says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. So hey, if you're not a follower of Jesus, and you're watching this message today. Here's what I want you to know. One, we are so glad that you're here. But two, according to what Scripture teaches us, is that if you are not a follower of Jesus, you are still obligated to do what your sinful nature desires. You're still in bondage. You're still in captivity. But for those who have called on the name of Jesus, but for those who are following Christ, when we experience these urges to do what our sinful nature wants, Scripture says we don't have to do that anymore. We're not obligated to do those things. And so for the last bit of time that I have with you today, I want to give you three incredibly practical things that I think will help you as you navigate the days ahead, as you look at shifting your attitude the first thing is this. I'm going to give you three Fs because I told you that's what good pastors do. They, they give you uh, three points that they're all going to have. They're all going to start with the same letter. So number one, fix. Let me take you to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, which is going to be where I pull all of these things from. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. The first thing that Paul tells them to do is to fix their thoughts. To fix your thoughts is to have a point of focus. 
as you and I look to honor God with our attitude, here's the first thing we're going to have to do. We're going to have to lift our eyes, to fix our eyes above the current situation that we find ourselves in. Your circumstance and your situation may communicate something that's contrary to the truth of God's word, but you do get to respond in a way that glorifies and honors God when you're not living in the middle of your mess, but your eyes are fixed on a God who is bigger than any circumstance or situation that you might face. Perspective plays a huge role in the life of a follower of Jesus because we are no longer living just for this temporary world, but our eyes are fixated on heaven. Our eyes are fixated on finishing the race. So I'm not living my life moment by moment as if every single little thing is going to kill me or, or throw me off course. No, I'm knowing that I'm going to finish my race honoring God. And so while I'm going through this momentary point of struggle, this momentary affliction, my end goal is to honor God and glorify God for the rest of my days. So my eyes are lifted. My eyes are fixed above my situation to see a God who is bigger and greater than anything I'm currently going through. We've got to fix our eyes. So, so maybe the best thing you can do, at, at just a, a, something that will help you, is whenever you're looking at your current situation, be sure you hit pause on that and look to God. Hit pause on whatever you're focusing on right now and just lift your eyes. Scripture says, I, I lift my eyes to the heavens from where my help comes from. Maybe the better thing for you to do than just complaining about what you're going through to other people is to take some time and fix your eyes on God through prayer. To take your situation and your circumstances and actually take it to a person that can deal with your issue rather than talking to people who can do nothing with the information you've given them. Fix your eyes on your helper. Fix your eyes on your source. Lift your eyes above your situation and your circumstance because it's there that you're going to experience the grace and the peace of God which surpasses understanding. When we have a bad attitude, the first thing we need to do is to fix our eyes. Here's the second thing, is that we need to filter. Filter. We're going to fix, and then we're going to filter. So Paul gives these things. Let's pull back up Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It says to fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Those are great. Fix Fix your eyes. Like, hey, you're going to fix your eyes, but here's the metrics. Here's the things that you're going to start looking at. You have to have a filter in your life as a follower of Jesus, or you are going to become whatever you consume. If you consume garbage, you're going to produce garbage. What you allow into your life, what you allow into your heart, is going to become what comes back out. So followers of Jesus, you need to have a filter for what you choose to engage with in, on social media. There are some things that are not beneficial for your heart and they're not beneficial for your soul, and you know it. If you're honoring God and you're in a place where you're growing in your relationship with Him and you jump on social media and all of a sudden you're thinking negative thoughts, you want to gossip, you want to bash people, you, you're, you're angry, there's probably a good chance that you're not filtering things the right way. Because if we let the world dictate how we feel, 
our foundation is not really built on a rock. It's built on sand, which we talked about that a few weeks ago. So if you missed that message, go back and listen to it. We have to be people who have a filter in our life. If you ate only garbage, you'd only produce garbage. In the same way, what we have to do is filter our thought life. We have to take the time, the energy, and the effort to create, I call them guardrails. The purpose of a guardrail is to keep you from going over the edge. A guardrail is designed as a protection mechanism to keep you from going too far. For a follower of Jesus, a filter does the same thing. I've got to be really intentional and strategic with what I allow into my life because here's what I know. Whatever I allow into my life becomes what I allow into my heart. And whatever I allow into my heart will ultimately come out in the way that I treat and love people. My ability to honor God and glorify God with my life is directly connected to what I allow into my life. So for some of us, we need to filter maybe the music we listen to or the things we watch. Others of us, we got to filter out some friends. I know you've, got, you've had the same friend for 43 years, but, but man, she loves to gossip, and it's polluting your soul. There's some friendships that might need to change. There's some relationships you have, maybe some places you go or some things you do that need to shift because you're going to filter. And the filter that we have is whatever's true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. That's it. Yeah, but what about, no, God gave us a filter and we use it accordingly. Here's the third thing, is feed. So I'm going to fix my eyes, I'm going to filter, and then I'm going to feed. Philippians chapter 4, 8, one more time. It says, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is pure and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Have you ever asked yourself, what are you feeding your mind? Because it matters what we feed our physical body, right? I mean, for me, um, during quarantine, uh, we had a smoker. We were at the house all the time, and uh, I was just trying out stuff. So uh, there was one week in particular where I had smoked two pork shoulders and some ribs, and, uh, and I ended up with the gout, right? Now, if you're not familiar with what, what it's not gout, it's the gout, and it's the worst. Um, it was horrible. But what had happened is during that week, I didn't assess what I was taking into my body, and I had eaten too many things that were negative for me. And the end result is it ultimately caused me pain and there was sickness that affected me. Many diseases we have today from cancer, heart disease to no energy end up resulting from improper diets. It's a fact that eating the wrong things can hurt us, but it doesn't just stop with eating bad things. Because if we don't start eating good things, we end up starving. So when Paul is talking about feeding, what he's telling you and I to do, as he's kind of talking about think on these things that are excellent and worthy of praise, is he's saying you can't just filter thoughts. You have to feed yourself with the right stuff. 
Paul says this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. He says, The sinful nature wants to do whatever the sinful nature desires, which is opposite to what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite to what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting against each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. I believe that for many of us, when we hear about, oh, this struggle that's going on inside of us, you're like, yeah, that's my life. Like, like that's the struggle that I'm facing consistently. And Paul says that's an ongoing battle. That's something you're going to struggle with every single day. There's going to be this war consistently within you. But the good news is the reason that the war is there is so that you don't have to just do what you think is right. You're not led by your good intentions. No, you're being led by the Spirit of God. So what do you do when you have a war going on inside you? Well, you choose to feed the right source. There's a story once told about a guy who had two wolves, and he one was a white wolf and one was a, a gray wolf, a black wolf, and, and he would go out and he would feed these two wolves. One day he put them in separate kennels and he didn't have enough food for them, so he would have to pick which one he would feed. And so he took the food out there and he gave the food to the one, and, and whichever one he chose to feed would ultimately thrive, but the one he chose to not feed would starve and ultimately die. As followers of Jesus, we need to know that our minds and our heart work the same way. What you feed grows, what you starve dies. The reason why many of us feel like our flesh is so strong is because it's what we've fed for so long. So we need to choose to feed our spirit. And the way we feed our spirit is by fixing our eyes and filtering, by going through the steps and the process of choosing to consume the things that are lovely and pure and honorable and admirable. And as we do that, the spirit man inside of you grows stronger and your flesh becomes weaker. And that's the goal for a follower of Jesus. It's not that we would be led by our feelings, but that we would be led by the spirit of God. And the way that we get control of our attitude is by choosing to feed our spirit one step at a time. The stronger your spirit, the stronger your ability to respond to the circumstances and situations of life in a God-honoring way. You don't get to control what happens to you, but you do get to control how you choose to respond to it. So what do I want you to do today? Here's something practical and next step for you. Choose to speak and think positively of others. You say, Pastor, that sounds like some self-help stuff. Honestly, if you look in Scripture, it's really not. <laughs> if you look at the way Jesus interacted with people and the way that he loved others, he, most, he mostly spoke into their potential, not their current problems. He spoke life. He spoke hope. And I think what you and I need to assess before we say something to other people in our lives is would God say this over that person? And if God wouldn't speak it over them, we shouldn't either. 
Because the truth is, these people that you're encountering in your workplace this week and in the weeks to come, you may be the only example of God that they see in their life. And if that's the case, here's what I want you to know. Scripture says that you are an ambassador for Christ. So as you're in your workplace, the things you speak over people, the things you choose to say and do to them, ultimately are a direct communication line from God to those people. And as you navigate those relationships and you honor God, I think God continues to draw people to himself. You may be the only glimpse of Jesus that these people get to see. So steward that wisely. This week, choose to speak and think positively of others. You, follower of Jesus, are responsible for your attitude. You were made for Monday. Let's pray. Hey, God, we love you so much, and we thank you for the ability to uh, worship you and to just talk about attitudes as we want to honor you in our workplace. Lord, right now, I come and pray for those who want to glorify you with their attitude, but maybe don't even know where to start. So today, Lord, we simply just surrender our emotional responses to you and ask to be led by your spirit. And Lord, as we feed our spirit, we know that it grows stronger and that our flesh grows weaker. For some of you watching this right now, you're not in the position where you are able to make that decision to, to just live by being led by the Spirit of God because you haven't first accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you haven't made that decision, Scripture teaches that you are still a slave to sin, but thankfully God chose to set you free by sending Jesus to die in your place. And the way you claim that freedom over your life is simply by placing your hope and trust in Him. If you'd like to do that today, here's what I want to do. I want to lead you through a simple prayer. Just repeat this after me. Hey, dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen.